Uh, good morning, I'm Stephen Lee. Uh, I'm going to read your scripture passage this morning. And our scripture passage this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 3 through 8. Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went farther on into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said to him, Get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flat bread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate and drank and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God is good all the time. God is good. We are continuing in our Embody series, and uh, uh, we're talking about what it means to embody our faith and be the body of Christ um, physically, spiritually, emotionally, just as Jesus Christ uh, was incarnate, incarnation, um, came to the earth and dwelt among us walked alongside people, touched people. Um, we live out our faith, um, not just spiritually or soulfully, but also with our bodies, with our lives, everyday lives. Amen? And so today's sermon I've entitled, Rest Your Body. Rest Your Body. And uh, this is one that hits near and dear and is relevant to me uh, personally as of late in this season. Um, coming off my sabbatical and learning some lessons from God um, about what it means to take care of myself, what it means to rest uh, both emotionally and spiritually, but also physically, and to re-tap into the rhythms, the natural rhythms that God um, intended for us, and that it's really important to rest physically, uh, rest emotionally, and sometimes we don't do that. A lot of times we don't do that in our culture. Um, I bet, I, I can venture to guess that the time that your families, our families, fight and argue the most, there's two times. Um, in our family, it's when it's time to get out the door and go to school. And uh, from growing up, it was getting ready in the morning and getting to church on time. So those are two times uh, where arguments can happen and I display my true colors because I'm responsible for getting my children up, feeding them, getting them, making sure they get dressed and getting them off to school. And since there's no bus line for them, um, I drop them off, I drive them to school. And uh, it's a challenge because I'm a very impatient person and kids just, they don't want to wake up. They don't want to eat. They don't want to change their clothes. Uh, they 
you know, get hop on their phones when it's time to be getting ready. Um, and so, um, and I'm actually pretty ashamed of myself sometimes, the things that I say. I'm like, you know, march, march, you know, it's, there's no time to walk. You need to run. You need to go quickly. Do things fast. Um, and we have this song in our home uh, called The Responsibility Game. I'm like, everybody wake up, responsibility game. And I know that my kids are both very competitive, so I set them against each other. Whoever gets to the door first, ready to go, wins the responsibility game. And so Cammy, taking everything so seriously, runs out and gets, has, is all dressed. And, um, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah's getting ready and stuff, and I'm like, you won the responsibility game. You lost the responsibility game. And that way, I motivate them. Um, but I realize is that as I'm doing that, what I'm putting on my children is that sense of rush, right? We are in a hurry in our culture. We need to hurry up and get ready. We need to hurry up and get from point A to point B. And I don't realize, but they also see me driving. And one of my pet peeves in driving is when you're in a left turn signal lane, my value is if you're the first car in the left turn signal lane, as soon as it turns green, you should punch it out, right? You should go as fast as possible because that leaves space behind you so that other cars can go fast, right? Because the light is limited and if people take their time and they're oh, the light turned green, I'm turning left, then everyone behind them might miss it. And you have to wait another, what is it, two or three or five minutes for the next light. So that's my pet peeve when people don't take off fast in the left turn lane. But our children, my children, sense this. They feel this from me, the urgency, the, the I need to get there, I need to get there now, I need to get there fast. And if I'm not getting there, I'm frustrated or I'm even upset at people. I'm like, hurry, 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 go, go, go. And it's just a part of that drivenness that's just been implanted um, in me, you know, since childhood, you know, just the getting to school, then getting to work, you know, waking up, being on time, getting things done. There's so many things. We have to get done. And I know, even as a pastor, people can sense that from me. Like, one of the things, oftentimes, that people say, oh, can I have a moment of your time? I know you're really, really busy, right? We're, we're, actually, I'm not that busy. Like, I've got a lot of time. Um, but like, where, where do people get that? Like, that they can't have access you know, to their pastor or our pastors are busy, they're frantic on Sunday morning, running around. Um, how about you? What are the ways in your lives um, that you're in a hurry or you're rushing to get somewhere? Whether it's work, whether it's to the next appointment, whether it's getting your kids to school, whatever it is, um, we seem to be in a, in a hurry. And, you know, um, I remember, you know, I get mad at the, the littlest things, impatient at the littlest things. We got, recently got a new oven, so I'm really excited because it preheats really quickly. And our old oven would take like an hour to preheat. I'm like, ah! But this one, it's like, ding, ding, ding. it rings when it's preheat. It's like, 
wow, when we first got it, I was like, it's ready to go, it's so fast. And uh, internet, right, we all, we didn't even have internet, what, like 20 years ago? Um, and then it was dial-up modem, you know, and it was like, dee -dee -dee -dee. And we waited for that. We waited for whatever, the document or the picture to load, like line by line, like slowly. But now, it's like things, you get things so, like instantly, so fast, like that, like that. And, you know, me and my children, we even get impatient when there's even any slight amount of lag, like, it should be instant. It should be instant. Right now, right now, right now. Because we're in such a hurry. We're so busy. We got to get somewhere. We can't wait for this annoying, like, this internet, right? It's only what? It's only 20 what, gigs or, you know, Jesus. It should be like 100. You should have a terabyte of speed, right? Um, there's a sickness in that hurry. And we all experience it. We've all been through it. Uh, we've all been through burnout, right? We've all been through a lack of satisfaction with our life. We've all been through that imbalance of work-life balance, for instance, just feeling out of sync, feeling tired all the time, feeling like, man, I just don't have energy, or feeling like, um, I'm getting sick every day, feeling like it's hard to get up in the morning, um, feeling like very dissatisfied um, with my job, very cynical about uh, what's going on. And these are all signs in, of burnout. Um, and the church is not immune from this, right? We have this in our work-life, work-life balance, but also the church. Um, in fact, right now, there's never been as many pastors like, out of the game, getting out of the game. Like left and right, people are leaving the ministry. Teachers are leaving the, min are, teachers are leaving the profession. Um, healthcare workers obviously have left the profession. Bus drivers, uh, food service people. You know, there's just this overall experience of burnout because of the pandemic. And I think the question is, does God have an answer, right? Does God offer a solution? Is God there for us? And um, I chose a story from First Kings because it illustrates um, how God cares for Elijah in very simple, physical ways, right? Get some rest. Here, eat this. Because the journey ahead of you, you can't do it on your own, and it's really hard, and you need rest. The second piece is where Elijah is physically and emotionally. Uh, the, Verse 3 begins, Elijah was terrified. Why is Elijah terrified? We'll give some background to that. 1 Kings 18 is one of the most amazing stories of God, a display of God's power uh, in the Old Testament, right? Um, what happens? Elijah challenges um, the prophets of Baal. 
uh, to a public display of my God is more powerful than your gods, if you remember. Um, so there's like 450 prophets of Baal and 400 uh, prophets of Asherah or something like that. And they are, they've infiltrated, this, these pagan gods have infiltrated Israel. And uh, Elijah comes and he's like, my God is more powerful than your God. And God delivers an amazing way, right? He set the lights fire to the altar, even when it's like drenched with water. And the other prophets, you know, couldn't do it, even though they prayed and they chanted and did all of their rituals, they couldn't light the altar on fire. Whereas Yahweh was able to light uh, a drenched altar on fire. And so that God wins the day. And it's this amazing kind of display of power. Um, and when that happens, if you look at verse, uh, the previous chapter, 1 Kings 18, verse 39, all the people, when they saw this miracle, all the people saw this and fell on their faces and declared, the Lord is a real God. The Lord is the real God, they exclaimed. But the next chapter, even so, uh, was that Ahab goes uh, and tells his wife Jezebel what had happened and that all the, you know, the prophets and the uh, priests of Baal um, were you know, chased down and executed. And Jezebel curses Elijah and makes a promise. By the end of this day, I'm going to capture you and I'm going to kill you. And so Elijah, fearing for his life, flees to the wilderness. Um, and, and that leads us to our passage, Elijah being terrified. And here we're given a first-hand glance into his fears and his doubts. And I would say his depression, his deep depression. Because he's like, I don't want to live. Take my life now. Um, and that's, that's amazing that in the, that same day, after God has displayed such great power and deliverance and empowerment through Elijah and declared himself of the real God, that Elijah can run for his life and feel so terrified, so depressed, even suicidal. And this just goes to tell, show that we, even as we believe in God, even as we're followers of Jesus Christ, we can experience very vividly the reality of God's presence in our life, God's empowerment, um, the answer to prayers. He can deliver us so powerfully and yet we can still fear. We can still experience fear. We can still doubt. We can still grow weary and tired. We can still grow weary and tired. And um, so let's look at this. He himself went further into the deserts a day's journey he finally sat down under a solitary broom bush, uh, which is a desert, you know, 
shrub. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom brush. Then the messenger tapped him and said, we're assuming an angel here, get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water ripe by his head. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up and ate, drank, and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. Just a couple of interesting word notes. Um, the uh, coal here, there's, he wakes up, the angel said, eat. There's prepared before him flatbread on a glowing coals. The word for coals here is used only another time um, in scripture, and that's the call of Isaiah. If you remember in the, the vision, the call of Isaiah, um, his mouth is touched with a coal, right? Um, so that the coal representing the call of the prophet and God saying, you are my prophet, speak, speak my words. Um, and then the jar, the word jar for the jar of water uh, was also used, uh, if you remember, I think it's uh, chapter 17 of 1 Kings, the widow, right? Um, and God provides, they're hungry uh, God provides uh, a jar that never empties of, I think it's oil. And the family and Elijah are allowed to survive. Um, that's the same word, and it's a unique word um, that's not used very often. So this, this image of you are called and you are, um, and this kind of abundance of God's provision of food is kind of embedded um, in this image. Um, but I, what I really like is, it reminds me of when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness after 40 days and 40 nights, right? It's as the angels administered, right? Gave him food and drink, um, and he was restored. Jesus restored before he begins his ministry. And here, too, very tangible and very tangible physical ways. Uh, the messenger, God doesn't send the messenger or God doesn't say to Elijah, you, you know, you stubborn, hard-hearted person. How many times do I have to show myself uh, faithful for you to trust me, right? You had one job, and now you're on the run again? You're doubting me? You're afraid? He doesn't chastise him. He doesn't shame him. Instead, God provides from ministers to him physically, right? Sleep. Rest, hear, eat, because the journey ahead of you is long. And obviously there's some supernatural elements happening here because he eats, he rests and he eats, and that food refreshes him for the 40 days and 40 nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. Um, but God provides for us intangible physical ways, restoring our bodies through rest and provision 
of food. And that's very important. That's the most important thing in that moment for Elijah as he's uh, emotionally distraught, as he's in doubt, as he's afraid, as he's depressed, he doesn't want to live any longer. Um, Everything is like vision is gone. Calling is gone, right? Like focus, mission is gone. It's just, I'm done. And God provides for him physically in that moment. And that's amazing. And that's amazing. And uh, our communal scripture for today that we read was from Genesis 2, 1 through 3. And that is um, the creation from the creation account. And it's at the end, the uh, first creation account, um, where God, after having completed all of his tasks uh, of creation on the sixth day, on the seventh day, it says that God rested. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. Now, I was thinking about this, and we should think about this. Right? Does God really get tired? I mean, did God, when God rested on the seventh day, was God tired because he had done so much in those six days that he just had to rest? Probably not. So then, why did he rest? Why did he rest? And you get some clues because he makes that seventh day holy, right? But I think, and also in the scriptures, we're commanded, God's people are commanded to continue to keep the Sabbath holy, right? So something in the way that God rests on the seventh day, he wants people, his people, to continue that type of rest, that, that rhythm. And if you look at the creation account, you know, go back and read it, it's, it's God breathing creation in the midst of chaos, right? In the midst of nothingness, he delineates things. He establishes boundaries between light and dark, between land and sea. So God is bringing order um, and God is bringing time, a, a, a sense of rhythm, his time into the world, right? Light, dark, the first day, you know, sun, moon, the second day, um, this is for this, this is for that, the water, the animals of the water, creatures of the sea, the creatures of the sky, here's the land, that in God's creation there is uh, a defining that's happening, uh, uh, boundaries that are being established. And oftentimes we think of boundaries and lines and rules as, oh, those are things to be broken, right? Those are bad things, those are constraining things. But in the case of creation, I believe these are things that are actually meant to give us life, right? Give, bring life into the world, bring creation into the world, bring life into God's people, into humanity. And what actually uh, takes life away from us is when we break away from God's intended rhythm, God's intended timing and cadence that he meant for humanity, and we begin to pursue our own cadences, the cadences of the world, the rhythms of the world that uh, demand things of us, that make us say, 
that give us the tyranny of the urgent, right? Like, we have to do this now. I have to answer my cell phone because it's ringing, just because it's ringing. No, actually, if I press this button, it's ignore, right? And I do that a lot, actually. Ignore, ignore, ignore. Um, except I should answer my mom's phone calls when she calls me. I think I hit ignore too much. Um, or, you know, or emails, right? For some of us, you know, we live in, a, or we have a corporate culture or business culture where we constantly get emails and we're constantly responding to emails. And now that you have Gmail or whatever, your work on your phone, you can respond to work, 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 work. I can be on, you know, vacation and like work, work, work. Even when I was on sabbatical, I was getting, you know, I was following certain things, right? Emails come through, uh, seeing emails come through, whether it be our denomination, our conference, or even from the church. And like, I had to literally like sit down and force myself to be like, don't respond, don't say anything. They've got it, right? Or God's got it. And even if you don't say anything and nothing happens, that's okay, right? It's like God's in control. But we want to respond at all times. If you're on vacation, you, want, you have to like force yourself to put your phone down and not respond to work. Some of us out there, right? Not everyone, right? Um, but if God can rest and make that day of rest holy, then shouldn't we be able to rest and give up a portion our, of our time to be like, this, this time is holy, right? And that that is an act of worship. Resting is an act, physical rest is an act of worship because we're giving up our notion that we're in control of everything. And unless we are active and in control, that thing's not gonna happen, right? But when you take a Sabbath and rest and say, oh, in this time, I'm not going to work. You're saying, hey, God, it's like an offering. It's like a tithe, right? We tithe money. We offer money or we offer our time. We offer our sense, our sense of work. We're offering that to God and saying, yes, this is urgent to me. Yes, this is important to me. Yes, this is freaking me out right now if I don't get this done. But even so, you are the Lord of time. You are the Lord of my calendar. You are the Lord of my life. And so I give this as a living sacrifice. I give myself to you. I trust you. <laughs> trust you. And it's a conspiracy because iPhone or other phone, they have those like notifications and alerts and dings, right? And they're so attractive, right? Ding! Someone called me. Someone gave me a message. And you just want to open it up. Amen? Here are some... Um, this is a quick little article from Forbes. Ten signs that you are experiencing burnout. Exhaustion. A clear sign of burnout. 
Lack of motivation, number two, when you, you don't feel enthusiastic about anything anymore or you no longer have that internal motivation for your work, um, there's a good chance you're experiencing burnout. Frustration, cynicism, and other negative emotions. You may feel like you don't, your doing doesn't matter that much anymore. Um, Cognitive problems, burnout, and chronic stress may interfere with your ability to pay attention or to concentrate. Slipping job performance, not sure whether you're burnt out. Compare your job performance now to your performance in previous years. Interpersonal problems at home and at work. Uh, do you get grumpy? Are you getting into more conflicts as of late? Not taking care of yourself. I know I'm uh, being a workaholic when I forget to eat certain meals. <laughs> like I completely skip over lunch and dinner because I'm working on a task. And then I'm in low blood sugar and then I'm getting hangry and Janice says, why didn't you eat? Because <laughs> uh, I didn't think about it. Not taking care of yourself. Being preoccupied with work when you're not at work. Man, that's so hard for me uh, as clergy uh, because it's not like there's a time clock that I punch in and punch out. It's like, it's kind of this nebulous, you're always on, you know? Um, and so I'm always thinking about things and stressing about things and about people, which is a part of the call. Um, but also even more a need for regulation and rhythms, you know, and disciplines. <clears throat> General decreased satisfaction. This is a tendency to feel less happy and satisfied with your career and with your home life. You might feel dissatisfied or even stuck when it comes to whatever is going on at home, in the community, or with your social activities. And then 10, health problems. Over a long period of time, serious chronic stress can create real health problems like digestive issues, heart disease, depression, and obesity. Um, I am Batman. <laughs> I am Batman. Um, meaning, uh, sometimes my family knows, and if you ever received an email from me at 3 a.m. in the morning or a Facebook comment at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. That's because I keep, sometimes, I keep odd sleep hours. So I've always been someone who is a morning person and wakes up really, really early. But I also uh, go to bed really, really late and I wake up in the middle of the night. Um, and that's because, it might be sleep apnea, I don't know, but sometimes, as soon as I hit the couch or hit the bed, I fall asleep, so it could be 6 p.m. I fall asleep, but then I'm gonna wake up at 12 a.m. and then I'll get this burst of energy and I'll start working or you know gardening in the middle of the night. Um, so that's just me. I'm just weird, you know. Sleep in four to three hour stretches and then wake up and I'm very productive. Um, so that's why I say I'm a bat. I'm nocturnal. Um, what was I? Um, but one of the things that came up in my sabbatical that 
I was given the grace and the space to kind of work on is my rhythms, right? My daily rhythms and how they're all interconnected. That getting physical rest and actually sleeping is connected to my emotional well-being, right? And how I treat my children, how I speak with my wife, how I interact with that slow left turner. Um, that all of these are connected. And when I don't have enough rest, I'm grouchy, right? Or if I'm stressed and um, kind of driven, being too driven and not eating properly, then um, if I'm not eating properly, then I can get hangry or grumpy um, or imbalanced. Um, and then exercise, that was the other thing that came up in my sabbatical is that exercise, how much exercise is really important for my body and how uh, physical well-being is attached to my emotional well-being and, and then my spiritual well-being because, you know, I want, I want to give, you know, more um, when I'm healthy and when I'm rested and when my body is happy. Um, and so this all ties into, I think, uh, what's happening here with Elijah, what, hap what we see in the life of Jesus, right? Every so often in the Gospels, you see Jesus goes away to a quiet place. Jesus goes away to a solitary place in the midst of all this crazy ministry and all these people wanting to touch him and be healed. And Jesus, Jesus, do this for us. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus grabs his disciples and says, come away with me to a solitary place to, to rest, to kind of recapture uh, that physical well-being, but also to reconnect through prayer, um, being with God, reconnect with the source of life, reconnect with the God who created life and gives, breathes life into us, who is saying to you now, Eat, right? Get some rest. Here, here's some food for you to eat. Take care of yourself. There's been some warning signs and red flags in your life. Take care of yourself because the journey ahead of you is long, right? He's not going to take away work from our life, right? The journey is going to be long and it might be arduous and hard. But here, fuel yourself. Take this pit stop because you need it to feel, feel uh, your, your life. And the other uh, kind of theological lesson for us is that God is the one who empowers us. God is the one who gives us life. God is the one who strengthens Elijah for the journey. God is the one who lit the altar on fire uh, for that moment, you know, that mountaintop moment for Elijah. And that's who empowers our lives. God is the one who powers the miracles in our lives. God is the one who gives us energy and vision and uh, charisma and excitement and lights the spark in us. That all comes up with God. And the delusion for us is, or here's the truth, that there is not enough time or energy in the day for you to get everything done that you want to get done or need to get done, period. There's not, there's not gonna be enough years in your life 
to get everything you think you need to get done, done. And that's the lie of the race, right? At some point, you have to stop and say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And Richard Foster, in his um, book on prayer, he, he goes through different kind of practices of prayer. One of them is the prayer of relinquishment. I like that one because he says, put your hands down and think of all, what is stressing you out right now. What are all your worries and concerns? Like, think of those, meditate on those with your hands down, right? And then after that, palms up and just relinquish that to God. Like, take this, God. I don't know what to do with this. Just take it. That's a good one for me. And it's a good reminder. Like, I don't have what it takes to get it, to fix this, to solve this. Here, God. Right? And, um, or like breathing. Like, I, I, over my sabbatical, I downloaded the Calm app, actually subscribed to it. Right? And did, you know, those one-minute breathing exercises or meditation. Like, breathe out all your stresses and worries. Breathe in, you know. I'm like, breathe in the spirit of God. <laughs> like, that God loves you. Breathe out all the hate and anger and frustration and stress. Um, rest. So I'm, I'm going to end just with Jesus' own words to us and... Uh, if you have your journal, maybe reflect on that. What is making you weary right now? What is a heavy burden in your life right now? You'll be surprised how much emotional energy we spend on stressing and thinking about certain things until you stop yourself and realize, take account. Whoa, man, this has been take, occupying my mind. And actually, I'm physically tired from this you know, thinking about this. Um, so hope, write that down or keep that in your heart as you listen to these words from Jesus. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. God, thank you for... Thank you for your provision and your powerful arms uh, that stretch out and embrace us and hold us even now, uh, when we can resist or when we can say, I can do it myself, um, even as we're tired or we may feel like Elijah on our last leg in the desert, wanting to be alone, depressed, uh, not feeling any hope uh, for the future, um, tired and afraid and full of doubt. And will you come and minister to us. Will you come in this place? I know there are individuals here that are feeling really tired uh, and there doesn't seem to be relief in sight. 
and I pray that you will come and feed these people. Give us rest. Lighten our load. Because you love us. You're gentle. You don't chastise us. You're not shaming us. But you're lifting us up and saying, I have what you need for life. Will you renew us in spirit, body, and mind? In Jesus Christ's name.